This is Spin Control, a Fibercraft podcast by a joyful girl. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Spin Control, episode 128, Back to Business. This, of course, is your host, Shiloh. In this episode, I've got some knitting, some spinning, a little bit of sewing. I am all spun up about Instagram, and I'm going to put my spin on some happy mail. But first, some updates. Welcome back if you're a returning listener, and welcome, welcome if you are a new one. Thank you all for stopping by. I've spent the last couple of weeks getting back to my routine and catching up on all of the things in my life that had been kind of briefly abandoned while I was at my mom's. So we're really back to business as usual, which kind of means that there really hasn't been a whole lot of action and adventure in my life for the last couple of weeks, but, but that's kind of okay in my book, right? I'm the kind of person where sometimes having no plans are good plans. Especially like for me, that's like the best part of winter rolling around is I get to stay in the house a lot and do the things that I love inside my home. And I've really kind of just been doing that for the last couple of weeks at home, you know, laundry, making the bed, uh, doing the dishes, getting back to my routine and normal stuff that is just my life and, you know, kind of at my own pace, not obligated to anybody else. We did take some time last weekend to go visit some friends and catch up and just hang out and kind of do nothing with other people, which was also very cool. And I've enjoyed that. And I mean, it's really been a kind of quite of a transition to return home, which is really strange to even consider because I just was coming home. But like when I started this new job of mine, it was only two weeks on the job when my mom broke her hip and I had to pack up and head out of town, right? (sighs) So I never really established a routine at home being a full-time remote employee. So during, you know, the prime of the pandemic, I was remote for two years and uh, almost two years. And I really, really enjoyed it, but it was never really a permanent thing. So my home office at that time was set up at the dining room table. It was literally the day after we got all the furniture set up in my actual office office that I got the call from my mom. I had like just moved my computer away from the dining room table and set it up in the new place and got my monitor and all that stuff set up. And then I got the call and had to pack all, you know, my laptop up and head across country. So really the last two weeks is all the time that I have had to really establish my routine. It's been kind of nice. I've enjoyed it and feel more productive here in this space because I'm not, when I'm at work at home, I'm the only one here. Well, besides the dog. And I take breaks and hang out with the dog or go get water or food or snacks or whatever. It's just a really nice transition to be able to actually settle into my real routine for this new job. And I'm feeling super productive and like I'm an added part of this team and it's really good. And I am totally digging it. Totally, totally digging it. That's really all I've got going on in updates. So I guess it's time to get this podcast started. In this episode, I have got a little tale for you about what life is like for me up here on the Palmer Divide. So we live on the Palmer Divide. 
The Palmer Divide is a ridge that uh, runs through central Colorado, and it separates the Arkansas River Basin from the South Platte Basin, and it extends from the front range of the Rocky Mountains in central Colorado east up toward the town of Lyman. And we live on top of it, which means that this little ridge creates a lot of strange and unusual, you know, weather occurrences. Um, usually, like, it's probably 10 degrees cooler up here on the ridge compared to what it is in, like, downtown Colorado Springs. I live in Black Forest, which is right up on the ridge, which is pretty awesome in the summer. But because the temperatures out here are cooler and we live in an older home, I don't have air conditioning. So when the temperatures were peaking in the 90s last week, my life was kind of miserable. Central air for me up here on the Palmer Ridge um, means that we like open the front door and the back door, prop them open with the shoe and hope that the wind is blowing enough to allow some air to circulate through our home because without that, it's like totally miserable, hot and, and just disgusting. There's really only about two weeks during any year that I wish we had air conditioning. And last week was one of those weeks. Oh, it was hot. It was just so hard to sleep. I probably got about four hours of sleep each night because I just couldn't fall asleep. It was so warm and so miserable. And, but thankfully the weather is starting to turn again, maybe toward the fallish kind of temperatures. Like I think it's going to drop down into the forties tonight, which is going to be kind of fantastic. Yeah. So during the week, it's been in the eighties inside the house, eighties, not 80, eighties inside the house, which was the kind of the suck, but I believe that is over now. Right now, I think my house has warmed up to the balmy temperature of 70 degrees. So when we open the doors tonight and pull back the shades and allow the breeze to blow through, I should be able to sleep pretty comfortably. I might even have to close the windows before bed. So I'm super totally stoked. So summertime is not the only time that the Palmer Divide affects us. Yeah, they'll get a couple, you know, a sprinkling of snow in town and I'll get 18 inches at my house. Literally, like I'm totally not joking. Just the way that the shape of the landscape diverts wind and moisture and the cloud cover and all of those sorts of things, we really get some interesting anomalies and it's, it's quite fun. And I do love it. It's beautiful. The weather is usually pretty mild. Well, except in the winter, we get a lot of snow, but the temperatures are usually pretty mild and it's dry and sunny most of the time. That's actually one of the reasons that we decided to move to Colorado was because like 220 days out of the year, the sun shines. It may not be all day and it may have snowed all night, but by noon, most of the snow is melted and the sun is out and it's beautiful and brilliant. And you can go stand out on the back deck and get a nice infusion of vitamin D production. Yeah, that is what my life is like up here in this dry area. We're up at like 6,700 feet above sea level, which is pretty fantastic. And I love it. And it is beautiful and wonderful, and I don't think I could imagine my life anyplace else. And now it is on to spinning my wheels. I've been pretty busy and I feel very productive when it comes to the creative side of my life, which makes me totally happy. Let's talk about that hat design. I'm sorry, people. Even though I think it was a very good idea, a two color textured hat 
isn't in the cards for me at this juncture. I think this particular design um, would require me to learn a new technique that I'm not really sure that I have the bandwidth for at this point. I think I could pull it off in brioche maybe, but but yeah. So I tried like three different approaches, none of which worked. And I'm literally, so I always like to have my hands doing something when I'm recording. If not, like fidget a lot, I bounce my leg, I'll rock back and forth in my seat. So right now I'm actually ripping back the hat. And hopefully by the time I'm done recording, I'll actually have wound it back into balls so I can use it for something else. Yeah. So no two color design at this juncture. But I have returned back to the place where I left all that wonderful yarn that I wanted to use for this design. And I started knitting on those hats. It actually took me a minute, actually took me like three days to find the yarn in the house. Like where, where I know that I wound like six balls of this yarn before I left town. Where is it? I couldn't find it. So I'm like, okay. So my, the first place I'm like, I think I tried to pack, I thought I packed it in my suitcase. So maybe it's in my bedroom where I packed the suitcase. Wasn't there. Okay, so maybe it's downstairs in the craft room next to the ball winder. Maybe I never brought it upstairs. I just wound it and set it down. So what actually, what had happened was I tried to pack a different carry-on than I took. I tried to pack a overnighter bag and it wasn't working. Like I couldn't fit the case for my spinning wheel and the yarn and that kind of stuff into the same bag. So I'm like, okay, I'll just throw some yarn and fiber in my suitcase and just take the spinning wheel case as it just the one carry on. I had like a backpack with my laptop in it and then just this makeup case. So it was still in the bottom of the overnighter bag that I tried to pack. I just never took it out, but it, it took me like three days to realize where I had left it, which is hilarious. But I did find it and I'm actually on my second version of the first hat design. I have three hat designs. So the first one, I didn't realize it until I got up to the mostly garter stitch section on the crown, that the placement I had chose for the end of the round was the wrong placement because it creates this ridge up the garter stitch section, which I really don't like. It's only on one side, but still it, it wasn't as aesthetically pleasing as I would like. So the second version, I've moved the end of the round and I'm rewriting the pattern so that the end of the round is is hidden and it's not as obvious as it was in that, you know, pool of garter stitch. So I have one, the math worked out, but I didn't like the placement of the end of the round. So I am about a third of the way through the second hat and rewriting the pattern as I go. So I'll easily get that finished this weekend. And I may, so I'm using the Mad Tosh farm twist yarn for that. And I may also do another version in the Malabrica Rios. I just love that yarn. And it's not the variegated. I like the semi-solids that are cattle dyed because they show off the texture really, really well. And that makes me happy. And as I said previously, if you guys have any suggestions for yarns that are really, really good with showing off texture, please tell me. I don't want to just like get in this rut and end up only using like these two kinds of yarn, you know, but I mean, the Rios is relatively inexpensive, but it's a really good quality yarn and I like it a lot. So I would consider it a lower price point than the Mad Tosh Farm Twist. So I don't think it would be a bad idea to have samples in both. So there you go. 
and I'm just about, I'm right, right at the edge of the rim, uh, ripping it back, this first version of this hat. <laughs> Ugh. And I only, what, I tried that like three times. It was ridiculous. I'm feeling really, really good about the progress that I'm making on the hat. So that's pretty cool. What else have I been doing? The Weekender. So the Weekender bag is now up here in my office, sitting next to the desk. So I can knit on it during like those long meetings where I'm really just an observer. I'm not actually a participant. I don't have to talk or be on camera or anything like that. But the problem is, I think I chose the wrong size or I should have done a swatch. I am typically not a swatcher. I am typically the kind of person who knits about average. Like if a yarn ball says that this is X number of stitches and X number of rows over a four inch square, that's typically what I end up with, with the needle that's recommended for that yarn. But I don't think that's the case for the yarn that I'm using with this. So much for that. And the yarn that I'm using is denim. It's a lime brand yarn. And I believe I got a sweater's worth at like Joann's or Michael's or something like that. But yeah, it's not working out. And knowing me, probably not the ball band that was wrong. It's probably totally like either the needles I chose or like the yarn and needle combination that's throwing me off on this one. So I think what I've got going on right now is just huge and gigantic. I've knit about 13 inches of the body, so I really don't want to rip back, but I may not have a choice in any way, shape, or form. There we have it. So that's what's going on with the Weekender, and I don't really want to rip it back, but I probably will end up doing that anyway. But because there's so much yarn, that'll be one of those ones where I, like, drop the sweater on the floor and use the ball winder to wind it back off of the sweater, and I'm cool with that. So I will have to report on how that goes and what I decide if it's just going to be a really oversized sweater, I'll have to look at the pattern. Maybe I could make up for the large size of the body by adjusting sleeves and chest, if that makes sense. I like an oversized sweater, but I certainly don't want to look like I pulled one of Matt's sweaters out of the closet just to keep myself warm. I kind of want to look, you know, put together in this thing. So we'll see. We'll see how that goes, and I will definitely keep you posted. All right. I did get that cashmere silk plaid. And it's lovely. It's probably going to end up being a worsted weight, only a couple hundred yards. But this is going to, this is going to sound ridiculous, but I haven't actually set it yet. It's still sitting down in the craft room on the Nitty Naughty because I'm nervous about setting the twist in what I've spun because I'm like, crap, do you do the same thing with cashmere and silk that you would with wool or alpaca? I actually have no idea. I'm going to have to like Google it and look it up to figure out how to set that. <laughs> After finishing that and getting it off the bobbin, I started spinning on some way back deep stash diving 2014 abstract fiber. And I got that at some event somewhere, but it's a, it's a semi-solid. It's a varying shades of burgundy and it's really, really pretty. And it's kind of like got a little bit of a fall feel to it. So I'm enjoying that. It's spinning up lovely. It's just some wool of some sort. I don't think it's merino. Dang it. Ugh, hold on. Yes, I was right. It is some wool of some sort. It's actually 100% pole worth. The colorway is called Cosmopolitan. It's actually a little bit more variant than I thought it was. So it's kind of between a burgundy and purple in spots. So we'll have to see how that turns out. But it's really pretty and it's spinning up really nicely and I'm enjoying it. And I'm back to my go-to drafting method 
And I'll probably talk about that method a little bit more next time. I've actually been Googling to determine what the name of this drafting method is because it doesn't appear to be a standard method. I found something similar in a publication probably 10 to 15 years ago from Interweave from Spinoff. So I, but I'll have to keep looking to try to figure out what this is called so you guys know what I'm talking about and describe it to you. Yeah, but right now I, it's not inchworm. It's not the short forward draft. It's not a long draw. It's like some amalgamation of like four different techniques and I don't know, maybe it's the Shiloh drafting method. Probably not. I mean, I don't invent things. <laughs> but I will try to figure out if I can figure out what the name of this drafting method is, and I will share that with you for sure. All right, that's all I've got going on in spinning. But now that I'm here and home with my sewing machine, I've been sewing. So what sparked the whole tale about the Palmer divide was the fact that when I got back, I noticed that my significant other has been literally using my shoes as doorstops in the house to keep the front and the back door open and our bedroom door open. And I'm like, what's happening? Like, where is my blue shoe? I want to go hiking. It's probably being used right now to prop open a door. Yeah. So I'm like, all right, that's, that's it. I must, must make doorstops. I've probably been talking about doing it the entire time we've lived here and just hadn't, right? But guess what? I did. And I'm totally proud of myself. So I found a tutorial on Pinterest and I will link to it in the show notes and you will be very, very proud of me. I used some of my coveted fabric to make my doorstops. Sometime probably three years ago, actually, <laughs> almost three years ago, I purchased some Kaufman Essex yarn dyed dark cotton linen fat quarters and they were still bundled and beautiful and just sitting there and I wasn't doing anything with them. I will probably make some bags because I only used four fat quarters, mm, four halves of four fat quarters. And yeah, so I used four halves of four fat quarters. So I have some of that left and I do have bag plans and I'm going to make myself make some bags. How wonderful is that? I pulled that coveted fabric off of the shelf, unbundled it, selected for coordinating colors, and I essentially, it's just a flat bottom bag, but you seal up the top once you fill it with your weighted item. I chose to use beans because one, they aren't made of plastic. Two, they're way more cost effective than using like a polyfill bead of some sort, like 30 bucks for like 10 pounds of plastic beads to fill these things when I, for literally like $2, I got a bag of pinto beans, eight pound bag of pinto beans from the local grocery store and used that as my filler. One thing I did that the tutorial didn't address was I chose to fill a quart size Ziploc bag with the beans and then insert that into the fabric casing I had made. She used rice in her tutorial and I didn't want food particles breaking off and dusting because it definitely will. You know what I mean? If you use corn or beans or rice or anything like that and use that as a filler, a weighted filler in an object like that, dropping them on the floor and things like that, it will definitely start to create food dust that I didn't really want. Food dust. Or if they get wet in any way, shape or form, then it will turn to goo and be gross. So she didn't include that in her tutorial. I added it because I didn't want them to get gross and disgusting after any period of time. So they've got four quart size 
Ziploc bags inside the four things. Ooh, and I'm also super proud of myself. So I have this habit, I don't know if it's good or bad, but of rescuing viable packaging from things that I purchase. And lately, I think it's probably more environmentally conscious to do it as a manufacturer. But lately, I have noticed that companies are using things like ribbon and Velcro to secure the packaging for linens, like sheet sets and those sorts of things with like a cardboard label, the ribbon woven through it, and then that's how they package their material, right? So it's all biodegradable, reusable kind of stuff. And so I've been rescuing that stuff, but not using it. And I was super proud of myself that I used one of the ribbons that I had rescued from a sheet set, cut it into pieces, and that's what I used for, like there's a little carry tab at the top of each of the weighted doorstops. It's like a little loop of ribbon that you sew in when you close it up at the top. And I used ribbon. I rescued some ribbon and used it. It's not just sitting there in a bin, right? Like I'm so proud of myself. So I've started to really think about how I can use the things that I've been coveting and I've been storing for that whole later date thing. Like today's the date. I want to sew all the things and knit all the things, right? So there we go. I'm very proud of myself. I've been super productive and things are getting done. And of course, I will link to all of this stuff in the show notes. In this episode, I am all spun up about Instagram. If you are new to the podcast, you may not know, but if you are a returning listener, you probably know that when I get spun up, it's not necessarily joy. Sometimes it is me all spun up about my frustrations with the things around me. And right now I am so freaking frustrated with Instagram. It's not even funny. Like, okay. So it happened last year and it's happening again this year, but I feel like it's so much greater than it was last year. Their ads are outrageous. There are so many fake ads for sweaters and cardigans that are essentially websites built using stolen images off of the internet, including designs by knitters like Isabel Kramer is one of the most popular ones. Her designs are stolen. And her, they're using her pictures of her finished objects on the website, these fake websites, and then they're advertising on Instagram. I'm so frustrated because it's it literally, I swear, dozens of these ads every day. I will be looking at stories of the people I actually follow. And then like every third story, I'm seeing a fake ad or two in a row for these fake women's clothing sites. And it's so infuriating. Like. I should be on Instagram's payrolls because they are certainly not checking the legitimacy of the people that are giving them money. So they're essentially taking money from scam artists. Some people are probably falling for the scams, allowing these ads to run until someone reports them. So that's exactly what I'm doing. When I see them, and I I don't know how much longer I can continue to do this, when I see them, and there's so many of them, I report the ad as a scam or misleading. And I keep getting reports back from Instagram that, hey, they've removed the ad because it violates Instagram policies. Well, then why they let them advertise in the first place? This is so super frustrating. Like, come on. I should literally be on their payroll. But they're collecting money from these sites, so they probably don't care at all. It's just so ridiculous. 
and I'm sick and tired of it. I may do, I don't know, a live or something on Instagram, tag Instagram and let them know they need to start paying me for reporting these faulty ads because this is stupid. (sighs) And it's so horrible to see like the hard work. These aren't mass manufactured. They're not all like mass manufactured products that they're falsely trying to sell, right? Because people that order from these sites are not going to get a Colorwork Isabel Kramer sweater in the mail. They're not going to get anything. They're just going to get robbed and her photo is being used like as a popular item. So, so yeah, I'm very proud of myself right now that my little rant about Instagram did not turn this into an explicit episode of a podcast. But yeah, I feel much better being able to tell someone that. And that's what's got me all spun up. I am going to put my spin on some happy mail I received. I'm not going to like thoroughly critique or review these products. What I'm going to do is just tell you about this happy stuff I got in the mail and I can't believe it took me as long as it took me to order one of the items. I probably could have put this in all spun up, but we've already covered that. And I was more angry about Instagram than I was happy about these items, but I'm definitely happy about these items. So let's talk about it. Okay. So just the other day, I ordered some stuff online and I received it in the mail and it was so joyous. So super joyous. Okay. I do not know why it took me as long as it did, but I got myself, actually, I just realized why it took me so long, but I just got my very own copy of Operation Software, which was published in 2020. The reason it took me so long to buy this book was because I think it was on my Christmas list for the last few years, and I gave the boy the opportunity to purchase it for me, but he failed. So I bought it for myself, and I'm very, very happy. I kind of knew the story about Operation Stock Drawer, but the introduction to the book runs through like the whole thing and tells you the whole background and the influence for it and all that stuff, which is awesome. And there are a ton of really great looking patterns in this book. And I can't wait to dive in and start knitting. Let me see. I'm about to count if I can find the contents. Contents. 20. There are 20 sock patterns in here and they are gorgeous. I'm super excited. And who doesn't love sock books? Am I right? I don't know why it took me so long to order this book, but when it arrived, I flipped through it and I was, I'm super stoked and I can't wait to start knitting from it. And the other happy mail that I received this week is sock yarn. I know, shocked, right? Like I never buy sock yarn. Okay. One of these days, maybe soon, I need to actually go through my stash and calculate how many yards of sock yarn I have. Because that's like my go-to thing. Like we've talked about this. If I want to support a smaller dyer and I don't feel like buying like a whole sweater's worth, my go-to is to purchase sock yarn. That gives me the opportunity to knit something, support them, and like test out the quality of their dyeing and all of those sorts of things. The sock yarn that I purchased is a unique sock kit. It is a collaboration between Gal Gillespie, otherwise known as Gigi, and Unique Socks. So Unique is the U-N-E-E-K Unique Sock. And of course it's shades of orange, self-striping socks, and it's beautiful. The color is orange, but it's not just like orange. The color name is orange with two Gs. It's so cute. I love it I'm super excited. And it comes in a box pre-wound into two identical balls so that you can knit matching socks right? Who isn't excited about that? I'm not one of those people that gets hung up if the stripes on two socks don't match one another. So it's not a huge deal, but I know that bothers some people, 
as long as the stripes are the same, like the pair of self-striping socks I just knit, I knit from two different ends of the skein. So my stripes actually go in opposite directions, which is hilarious, but they still match. I mean, they have the same colors. In my book, that's matchy enough. But this is cool, especially for those people who want to knit identical socks. Two balls, pre-wound, so you can get two identically striping socks already done. And it's cool, and the color's great, and I'm super excited. So, I just put my little spin on some happy mail. Thanks for letting me share. Well, it looks like it is time to spin off this episode of Spin Control. Thank you all for joining me for this one. I'm super proud of myself, recording on the regular every two weeks and publishing podcasts. Like, how cool is that? I am back to, like I said, back to business as usual, into a routine, and it feels really good. In the near future, I have got some adventures in chore sewing, more than just the normal, you know, fixing a seam or whatever for the kids. I've got some mending to talk about. And I need to get off my butt and start skirting some fleeces because I have a lot, a lot, a lot of alpaca fleece that I need to get processed and out of my home or in use, right? Thank you all again for joining me. So the song that's going to be leading us out this episode is by the Deep South. It is called In Hell, I'll Be Good Company. The song is interesting, but the video is even better. So I'm definitely going to link to the YouTube official video in the show notes. And it's hilarious to watch them pull off this whole thing. It's pretty cute. As always, you can get the details about this episode and all the past episodes at spincontrolpodcast.com. You can email me at shiloh at foreverhandmade.com. You can stalk me on social media and Ravelry as Forever Handmade. Thanks again, guys. I'll talk to you soon. Me on a tree